Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. I'm John, and I'm joined by the pool sitter herself, Danielle Caroli. What's up? What's going on? You know, I go to a show this weekend, and everybody's like, where's Danielle? Kind of like you had to deal with uh, a couple weeks ago with me. And I just told everybody you were poolside. Yeah. So it was, you know. Listen, it was <clears throat> 90 degrees. Well, maybe it didn't get quite 90 degrees. Stop it. Yeah, it did. Are you out of your mind? I think I made the right decision. And I was very happy to be poolside rather than ringside during uh, that day. It was a sneaky hot day, that show. It was like you'd be fine and then you'd be like out of the ring and you're like, oh, my God, it's so hot. Like it wasn't like stupid humid, but it was it was like it's just sneaky hot. It's weird. So yeah, it yeah was, it was I think it was show. definitely as I was sitting poolside and training my dog to start being an actual water dog and enjoying the pool. It was definitely not humid. It was more of a dry heat, but it got hot, especially in the afternoon. Oh, I was listen, I forgot a uh, like a tank top undershirt. So I was wearing a T-shirt underneath my show shirt. Oh, no. no. It was fine until about like 12 or 1. And then I was like, I'm about to die. So then I ditched my show white. Yeah. And I, <laughs> you know, it was just. Ugh. At club shows, I feel like while show whites are nice, you know, kind of cherry on top, sometimes the show white rules go out the window and understandably, because we're all goat people and we're not really presenting ourselves to the public at these club shows. So I feel like sometimes the rules go out the window, especially when it's 90 degrees or so and you're just doing what you got to do. Oh, yeah. No, it was it was a great show. Um, missed having you there. Was was disappointed that you weren't there, but it was still cool. Um, yeah, we we had a. Like I brought my goats out just expecting just to get my, some of my kids trained on the collar and, you know, get, you know, my does, the rust knocked off and we walked away with some ribbons and I was pretty happy with that. So, I mean, you walk in not expecting anything and walk out with some ribbons and wins. It's pretty cool. No, you had a great day and, you know, the updates I got were just exciting throughout the day. The legs you were awarded the placings that you had i mean i saw the picture of that killer Oberhosley junior kid and i'm excited to see her in person dude uh, have you ever showed shown a kid and like really like i brought her to train her and also uh you know get just you know make sanction for the breed it, she was in recorded grade 
And she's a March kid, you know. She's not. She wasn't even clipped for the show. She was just all in her floofy glory. And have you ever had a kid that just like you bring for that reason, and then all of a sudden they pick up a leg, and then you're like, I, "Well, what do I do with this kid?" <laughs> yeah, I had last year. I guess she was a dry yearling, and she went to the first year, show of the year. And or the second show, the first show was a fuzzy show. And then the second show of the year was a, um, you know, she should have been clipped. And she was clipped for the most part. Um, Would I have won showmanship? Absolutely not. Would the judge of showmanship have laughed and placed me last? A (laughs) hundred percent. But I think I ran out of time. She was a yearling who just didn't want to be clipped. And it was just kind of a, well, this is what's happening. And for some reason, she was coming with us. I think it probably might have even been numbers or something like that. And yep, sure enough, she got her leg and went grand in one of the rings. And then the judge started checking tattoos and saw her face in the clipping. And I remember them going what the heck is going on here, Danielle? So I was like, listen, stuff happens. I'm like, this is not my finer moment or my finest moment, but, um, you know, it works. It happens. Well, for sure. Yeah. So we, we had that, we had, um, some legs, one on some senior does and other junior does. So, uh, it was a good show. And then, um, I do have like a little rant about shows if I can get into it real quick. Go for it. So, you know, it's that time of year where everybody's posting any show wins or show experiences on Facebook. And like, it's just kind of like a yearly thing now. I, I'm going to have to say it. Um, don't let these silly ribbons ruin friendships. Right. I've seen some stuff where people are um, kind of badgering others for animals that were in the ring that may have won or, you know, whatever. And just, it's just like rude nonsense, you know, people being jealous, uh, other people just being nasty for whatever reasons, it's just not needed. And it's disgusting. Um, you know, if you want to congratulate someone, uh, be genuine about it. Don't, don't backstab them as soon as you congratulate them or whatever. Um, you know, we're all people. We're all doing the same thing. So, you know, support each other. Be friendly. Yeah, it's a competition, but doesn't mean that you have to be jerks about it. Um, so that's my rant about that. Understandable. And I mean, we are such a small, tight knit community. And so when you say something, chances are somebody else is going to find out that you said it and it's going to get around. And in order, for one breeder to succeed and truly succeed, you need everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, even let's look at you bring animals out in the ring. Your doe will not, if we want to like kind of break it down to the very minimal, like, you know, we're all in this together. But ultimately, when you bring out that doe in the ring, you need nine other does in the ring in that breed for her to earn a leg. And so if you're not there with others, 
that doe quite simply isn't going to get her leg. That championship, you know, with her three times winning is not going to happen. And so it all, your wins kind of all crumble apart. So you may not be the best friends with somebody and that's okay. But everyone has to recognize that in order for anybody to get any accolades or any recognition, you are doing it with the assistance of your entire dairy goat community. And so when you're negative, when you're nasty, when you let, you know, show wins come between you and other people, it just kind of crumbles this foundation that we've built up. I agree. Well said. Perfect. Um, I did have another thing this week happen to me. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was yesterday. I uh, was clipping a kid. I was clipping all my kids, um, but I was clipping a kid. And I'm, you know, I work from the top down, right? And mm-hmm. I get to just the finer details, about to start legs. And I go to shave the fuzzy stuff between the legs. And what do I find but an extra, well, not an extra teat, but a, a, a fishtail teat. So that's fun on a keeper kid. Let's just really, before you kind of talk about that a little bit, describe what a fishtail teat is for people who aren't familiar. It's basically a teat that's fused, right? So it's got, it comes up in one one bulge, but then it's got two teats that kind of spring off of it. So it looks like a fishtail. If you hold your two fingers together, you know, it looks like it's one piece and then you've got the two ends of the fingers. That's what it really looks like. Um, so that's uh, a thing. Um, obviously, uh, not going to be sold registered or as a breeder. Um, and, you know, I know it's controversial, but I know there's some people that snip off extra teats. And that's, you know, if that's something you want to do and pass off your problems to another herd. Well, you know, that's your ethical choice to make. But that's something that I don't do. Um, I've never been one for that. This is the first time we've had a a homebred animal that had this type of thing. And it happens, you know, it's it's it's, you know, one of those things. And, you know, I got a message. Somebody's like, oh, well, I had the same thing happen. And, um, you know, my vet said that it could have possibly been a cash valley virus or, or that they were saying it was. And I was like, well. You know, these things happen. So, you know, putting it directly on that is probably, especially without testing, is probably not the best thing to do. (laughs) Right, right. So, yep. So she's uh, no snipping of teats and no uh, just hoping nobody catches it. We're just uh, selling her unregistered to a farm. She's actually already spoken for less than 24 hours later. So that's cool. Perfect. Um, Yeah. And she'll just go as a home milker for somebody if they want to breed her and sounds like they might and you know they know the consequences of trying to milk a doe with that so more power to them right right and i mean you know so everybody has different uh different goals in dairy goading and so for some people that fish teat might not be an issue or they might just be raising kids and they want you know, doing maybe like a boar dairy cross and want to make sure that those dams have more milk to feed the babies or whatever. And so it's definitely 
in the grand scheme of things, not the end of the world. Right. But in the show world, it definitely is something that you don't want to have. And I kind of think that in your case, it's an unfortunate situation, but kind of has this silver lining of you found a place for her, you know, she'll be taken care of and somebody will appreciate her for her genetic package and what she brings without her papers. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that's, that's my crazy week. And, you know, besides, you know, getting ready for a show, it's this, it'll be Memorial day weekend. Obviously Uh, this comes out Memorial day. Um, But uh, yeah, this uh, we're getting ready for a show and hoping to have another decent uh, turnout. If not, then, um, you know, is what it is. But I do want to say real quick before we get into what's happening on your farm. Um, thanks to everybody that, you know, walked up and said, hey, John, you know, love the podcast or people supporting uh, the ringside gear out there. Uh, really cool to see. And I appreciate and love talking to every single one of our fans. So, yeah, come on up and say hi if you see me at a show. Now, what's going on and your farm? I'm sure it's just the pool is getting way too much for you. Oh, it's so hard. It really is. <laughs> um, so I don't know if we spoke about this, but, and we, I don't know if we did or not, but if we did, I'll kind of go back over and then give an update on it. But I no longer have a hospital pen and my two <laughs> lovely troublemaker yearlings are back in Gen Pop, which is where what I refer to my milker and dry pen. But <laughs> so if you guys don't remember, and again, I'm sorry if I didn't really talk about it very much, but about a month ago, I had a kid break her front leg and she got a cast and we ended up having to keep the cast on for three three weeks we changed it and then she had it on for another three weeks so two different casts and six weeks total and so about a week ago we removed her cast for the final time and then we left it or we left her in her small pen so that this way she could have some time to kind of regrow that muscle before she went back with everybody else. And thankfully, where it was broken, it was able to heal pretty well. Even the three weeks in when we took off the first cast, we were able to see that it was healing really well. Um, I had had one vet initially do the cast, and then one of the other vets came to do the replacement cast. Mm -hmm. And so she didn't know where the injury was and kind of for kicks and giggles, we just felt it or she felt it and she could kind of feel at three weeks where she was thinking it was broken, but not enough to say, yes, this is where it was broken. So we took that as a good sign that it was healing well then and fast forward to her cast removal and you really can't see that she broke it. So that's good. She did learn pretty quickly in that six week period to be very lazy in her movements. Um, (laughs) I think the cast was just a little heavy. And so she was a little lazy in her movements and she's still not quite putting weight on her leg 
a hundred percent of the time, but I swear that's just old habit at this point and not part of an injury or anything like that. So, and she is getting better and she's out on the pasture and she's running around and doing all the things. So I think we're definitely on the right path and I think she just needs to build up that muscle, but now she's in a larger, she had a week to kind of let the muscle relearn or the muscles relearn how to function. And then I put her, I made the decision, even though she wasn't putting a lot of weight on her leg that she needed to go and start using it. And so she went back in the pen in the main pen after a week. And I think that actually did a world of good for her because she's using that muscle and moving around a lot. And so, um, that's good. And with her one her buddy who decided at after three weeks of the one cast, thankfully it was the same day, so I could just have my vet out for both of them, that she was going to injure herself too and ended up getting caught and hurting her let her two front legs. She looked like she was in Fight Club. It was, you know, this disaster <laughs> of a situation. Thankfully, with that, most of her injuries were just muscle injuries. So just she needed time to repair and heal. And then the other, she had a small puncture that we ended up putting a, a drain in just in case because I was really like, oh my God. We have nationals only a few weeks out and I really want to get her out in the ring as one of my dry yearlings. And I just said, let's do kind of best practice. We might not necessarily need a drain, but let's put the drain in so that this way, if there's any swelling, any fluid buildup, we remove it. And she's looking great. Her injury, her one shoulder was a little bit she pro- I don't necessarily want to say she dislocated it, but she definitely pulled her one shoulder and now it's flush with her body again. Her area where there was the drain is healing nicely. So fingers crossed we can kind of get her where she needs to be so that this way I can get her out in the big ring. Right. So she got to go back with everybody else too and they're doing well. Well, that's good. Yeah. At least you have two less bodies taking up a pen. Yeah, so it was it actually worked out really well because my hospital pen was supposed to be my kid pen and my kid pen was supposed to be my kidding pen. But because of that, the two does went into the hospital. You know, my kid pen was my hospital pen and then my kidding pen was my kid pen and the kid pen was just getting a little too crowded So I was able to actually last weekend when everybody was at the show, I busted um, my butt to get the hospital pen cleaned early in the morning before it got too hot so that this way I could move most of my babies into the kid pen just because it's a little bigger and gives them more space to run around. So we have my new herd sire in the one pen and then everybody else in the other pen because he's growing really well and is just too big to hang with my other babies and so they had to be separated and he's fine everybody else is doing well so we're in a good spot 
That's that's awesome. You know, that's funny you bring up hospital pens and stuff. It just reminded me, um, you know, I had that kid that got E. coli and she finally was, you know, big and strong enough. Well, not big, but she was strong enough to uh, hold her own. And I was so worried about putting her in with the March kids because she's, you know, a late April kid. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to stink for her. But let's try it. That little sucker is headbutting everybody, pushing. I have my buck kid from uh, Kurt, and he's a big dude. I mean, he's easily the biggest kid in the pen. And she pushes him around, especially before she got this butted. I think that's what it was, is she had like little nubs. So they'd, <laughs> they'd go to headbutt, a, headbutt her, and she's got these nubs, and they're like, ow, ow, ow. Like you see him like shaking their head like that hurt. And she beats them up like she's a little tank. She it's so funny. <laughs> she looks so tiny now that I clipped her too. Oh my god, she's like a little toy. <laughs> I was laughing because I got a picture for everyone listening. I got a picture sent to me of the doe clipped, and I think you said, "Oh, this is the smallest kid I've ever clipped." And I was thinking to myself, "Oh my gosh, why did you even clip her? She should be good." And then I realized I'm used to my sleek. Nubians and not the fluffiness that is an Oberhasley kid. <laughs> and after I kind of had that realization, I'm like, yeah, well, that's why she was clipped because the Oberhasley kids, oh my goodness, they're just uh, so much fluffier than they're fluff balls, man. And it's just like all downy. It's just they're they're just like toys. It's great. Yeah. So uh, I guess we should probably move into some ad good news, huh? Uh, we might as well. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. Let's get it. Let's get it done so we can get into the topic. All right, cool. I'm with it. Uh, so first bit of ad good news for the week, folks. Uh, youth exhibitors at nationals are now not required to complete the youth for the quality care of animals online training, uh, and they were going to have to complete that in order to show goats at nationals. So that decision has thankfully been overturned. Although I think uh, it's a good thing for the future. Uh, springing, springing it on everybody this close to nationals and it just with everything else that's going on um, was definitely not great timing. So I'm glad that the committee decided to overturn that. <clears throat> so again, um, kids do not need to complete that training. So no worries there. Yes. Though I will say that they are hoping in the future to have that training be a requirement again, or at least that's the current thought process from what I've heard. So if you do have the opportunity to get your certification for that, I'm not 100% sure how it works, but if it is, you know, take it once and you're good for your youth lifetime or for several years, it might not be a bad thing to do and to look into, but we don't need that we i'm making myself a use for right now no but the youth in adga do not need it for this year's nationals right yeah so good deal there um you know entries haven't opened up for nationals as of the recording of this podcast and yeah. it's a it's a little bit concerning dude yeah and my problem with it is it's giving me time to hem and haw on who i'm taking and so I have my list of does that I'm planning on taking, but 
then somebody doesn't look right or somebody looks at me funny or I see them in the pen and go a little barn blind and start picking them apart and go, oh, maybe she's not going. Or, ooh, I don't like how she's looking right now. And so as we're getting closer to the current deadline for when entries are going to be in, my list is flipping and flopping and just it changes in the morning and changes in the evening when I'm doing chores (laughs) and who I'm taking, who I'm not taking. And so having it open, having entries, being able to put them in is something that I feel will just, you know, remove that indecisiveness that is going on right now. I mean, obviously, I know substitutions can occur. You can make scratches and changes kind of all leading up to when entries close. But at the same time, it's all a theory in my head right now. There's nothing concrete on paper. And so that is kind of making me a little bit just indecisive on it all but i just think just bring everything yeah no that's no, what i'm doing absolutely not that's what no, i'm doing i've done that before i've done that before it is much better to just bring the ones you want to show i want to show them all it's like pokemon instead of i want to catch them all i want to show them all, show them all. well I think realistically, when it comes down to it, I'll probably be leaving one dough at home, one milker at home. And of so I'll probably be bringing five milkers and then three dry yearlings. Two would be it. Two will be senior yearlings and one will be a junior yearling. But um, I don't think and I don't think I'll take any kids. But um, so. Oh, I got. I got to bring my kids because, but not really. Yeah, I got to bring my kids because you know, as uh, our buddy Kurt would say, um, I feed my kids fifteen bottles a day and free choice grain. He he doesn't understand how all you know how well they grow here compared to other places, but it's because I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I just. It's eat, I'll have a whole herd of dry doughs at home, so the kids might as well stay too. And then if I have the one dough in milk, she'll probably be able to supply a decent amount of milk for everybody else. So we should prob- we'll probably be able to make it work, and I'll yeah. probably freeze some and just do all these different things to make sure the kids at home who will be on bottles and hopefully not too many bottles – or, you know, not too many feedings at that mm-hmm. point, but um, this way we have a little bit of milk for them, too, to get them through. Well, folks, let's uh, cut that right there. The national show entries have been opened. So, yeah, we recorded this uh, a little bit earlier last week, as you're hearing it this week. And yeah, the entries are open. Go ahead and get those entries in at the National Show website. You can go to the ADCA Facebook page or website itself. And uh, yeah, you'll see all the group classes and everything else you can enter and pens that you need to uh, reserve and all that good stuff. So yeah, get those entries in. Never mind all that. Enjoy. And now, hey, back to our 
regular scheduled programming. For sure. Uh, yeah. Next bit of news, uh, Dairy Goat Awareness Week. Yes. So for everyone who doesn't know, Dairy Goat Awareness Week runs in June. And this year it is June 11th through the 18th. And do you want to tell them a little bit about what we're doing? Sure. So uh, Dairy Goat Awareness Week was first started with um, ADGA uh, giving the, uh, I want to, was it the AG, the head of AG or whatever, but um, they gifted seven dough kids um, and it kind of pushed for Dairy Goat Awareness Week. So with that, we're going to be doing um, some fun stuff throughout the week. And it's going to be a week-long thing. Uh, we're going to be touching on herd names of different people that have been on the podcast. Uh, so you'll have a herd name episode on how those came to be. Uh, and these are going to be kind of mini episodes, so they're not going to be a full hour. Some of them might. Um, we're also going to have... Um, some people pushing for advocacy. Uh, we're going to have um, some really cool stuff in the works here. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. We also have a special episode falling on that week, don't we? We do. We do. It's going to be the... Or do you want to say no, it? No, go ahead. You. Go I want to steal your thunder. <laughs> it's going to be the 100th episode of ringside is going to be aired during that week so we are going to have some fun beforehand we'll have a post up on our socials and we will be answering your questions that you have about ringside about the podcast about goading in general about us It'll be uh, an Ask Us Anything, and we will do that and release it during that week. Yeah, really excited. I'm really, I can't believe we're already, like, stumbling up on 100 episodes. Like, it, it, it's it's insane to me that we're already there. So that's really cool, and um, I'm happy that we're hitting that mile marker, and I'm, I'm glad that we're able to do it during Dairy Goat Awareness Week. I feel like that's only fitting. No, it was perfect timing, and it's just going to be a fun week of promoting dairy goats, and ultimately, that's what we do on this podcast every week, so it just coincided perfectly. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, we also have uh, nationals. We've got some stuff going on. Um, we have the Ringside Marketplace, where, yes, we will have our uh, Ringside Post Collection Connection, where... Uh, if you sign up on our website, DairyGoatPodcast.com, uh, you'll be able to able to uh, choose which tier you want to be featured. Um, and yeah, you can sell your semen uh, at our booth and not get in trouble. You know, this is the way to work around all of that. You're not supposed to be selling that in your pen areas. Um, so yeah, hit us up for that, uh, DairyGoatPodcast.com. With that marketplace, we are are also going going to have a very limited supply of merchandise just because we this is our first year doing it. We don't know. We kind of want to get a temperature check before we just go all in uh, with our booth. Right. So for those that are like, well, I definitely want some merchandise. 
uh, a t-shirt or a hoodie or a mug, uh, whatever, whatever you want. Um, but man, I'm, I'm hoping they have my size there. Well, uh, there could be a possibility that we sell out. So what I would suggest people do is go on dairygoatpodcast.com and you'll see the tab that says nationals and you go ahead and click on that and you can choose whatever merchandise you want and you choose uh pickup at checkout and you can pick up your merchandise right at our booth so you can come say hi talk to us and have a good time now we're also going to have uh some people at our booth as well right danielle we are so in so to make it a true marketplace and kind of keep with the idea that goading is a collective thing and continue the camaraderie we will have a few different vendors i want to say um or aspects of the ringside marketplace so we will have stuff from my designs um i'll be bringing dairy goat cards probably farm animal cards as well greeting cards um there'll be stickers notepads more from me we will also be getting some of everyone's favorite handcrafted stuffed goats from the Worldwide Goat Project Nepal, which is Dan Laney's uh, contribution. Um, it's obviously there all these or not all as people remember from the, that episode where we talked with him, these are the little goats that the people of or the women, excuse me, of Nepal make and are shipped here so that this way it can help fund Dan Laney's work in Nepal. And so we will have a variety of those adorable stuffed goats there. And then we will also have K&K Caprines, which is a youth-run soap company who make fabulous soaps. I actually use their soaps every day um and they make fabulous soaps and they will be part of our ringside marketplace as well Mm -hmm. so we're excited to have every kind of aspect of it and it should be fun yeah so again um you know the merchandise is going to be limited on our side there's going to be a lot on the table like it's going to be a a jam-packed table and um again if you want to get anything from us and want to ensure that we have your size go ahead and put in that pre-order so right uh, exactly now also uh we should probably talk a little bit about convention before we get to our main topic here right and just really quick we'll probably start talking about convention as it gets closer but for everybody to just put on their calendars convention will be october 1st through the 7th in syracuse new york and I was just on a Zoom call last night, and it was convention-themed Zoom call, and there's a lot of exciting things in the work for convention. I think it's definitely going to be one you don't want to miss. And <laughs> Wink, wink, you- wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. Um, <laughs> for- moving on, for any youth that are interested in attending. There is always great youth programming. The youth programming goes in the first part of the convention this year. So I believe it's probably October 1st through 3rd or 
October 2nd and 3rd. The schedule will be released shortly, but there are opportunities for scholarships to attend as a youth and just throwing it each district for ADGA has scholarships available. They are due June 1st. And if you just kind of Google it really quick, that'll pop up links and more information about that. And then for people who are in our local area, so New York, New England, who show at the Progressive Dairy Goat Champagne Classic, we also, our club is also offering a scholarship to just kind of help defray costs for one youth. And that scholarship is due June 15th. And if anybody needs information about that, feel free to shoot us a message and we'll send you the link with that information. Yep. Awesome. Yep. So the main topic of the week, uh, with kidding season completed for most of the country, uh, we want to dive into how kidding season went for us and things we'll be doing the same or, or changing for next year. So um, I'll start by asking you, Daniel, how many goats did you, well, first of all, are you okay? Like, <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I was going to ask you, did you survive? So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm thriving, man. I, I'm, I'm with it. So, I think we did pretty well. Um, how about yourself? I mean, are you, are you really, are you okay? Those Nubians, they can be pretty dramatic. My Nubians are good, and I survived. I so I can. Thankfully say I survived kidding season 2022 and I didn't even get a t-shirt, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I survived. I am okay. We are in recovery mode, catching up on projects, but oh boy, it's nice to be done. I feel you. It's, it's a relief. Although it's like, okay, kidding season's done. Now it's feeding, feeding bottle kids or, you know, Lambar kids or whatever season, you know, and then it's mm-hmm. show season. So it's like, boom, 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 boom. And then really, I mean, everybody is not really quiet until like November. Right. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, there really is never any rest. And I think regardless of what season you're in, there's always something pulling your attention and making, you know, taking up your time. And sometimes it just seems a little bit more stressful than others, but and I think kidding season is definitely one of those more stressful times. I mean, you're just the demand that is placed on you as a breeder when you have newborn babies hitting the ground, when you have a population that's doubling or tripling in size for a bit and with needs that, you know, are when you have to feed them every six hours or four hours around the clock and you're structuring your life between bottle feedings. It gets to be a bit oh, yeah. much. But. Yeah. It's, it's definitely craziness. So how many did you end up breeding and how many uh, freshened? Okay. So I bred 13 and I freshened six. Now. Hmm. Yeah, but I will say this. It's that is not normal for me. And I gave myself a very short window of time 
to get these animals bred. So animals that might not necessarily have had any issues reproductively just really didn't get the chance to get bred successfully. Um, So I'll say that's probably the case with um, at least three or four of the does that I was breeding this year. It just didn't take, I don't know if my timing was slightly off or what. Um, And then I did have a doe who I just couldn't catch her in the right heat. And she was, uh, she was a doe we took off the farm to get bread and she just wasn't really having strong, strong heat. So she probably wasn't an ideal candidate for stud service because I just really couldn't catch her. It was the same, I, it was the same thing actually looking back that happened with her dam the first year we bred her. I ended up with this dam, I ended up giving her a shot of Lutalase because I wasn't seeing a strong heat and basically going, all right, well, because of the Lutalase, you should be in heat now. Let's breed you. And got her bred the first year and had to do a pregnancy check on her because, again, I was not seeing heat. So I didn't even, you know, 21 days later, wasn't able to tell if she was bred or not so you know did the did you know did everything that needed to be done and determined that she was pregnant but kind of now talking about it I do it kind of does click that for whatever reason this this doe and her dam at least that first year of breeding they must have like silent heats because the dam has come back into heat we've bred her several times and it hasn't happened again but So I had a doe that I probably bred her to the buck a little too late because when I finally caught her in heat and getting her to the buck that she was bred to might have just been a little too late in her cycle. But, um, you know, that happens. And then I also had a doe who we just I think next year I'm just going to have to be a little bit more aggressive in getting her bred. I'm going to have to potentially use a little bit of a hormone protocol just so that this way everything is functioning properly. If she's releasing an egg, it's releasing at the right time, making sure the hormones are correct. So I might have to be a little bit more hands-on with her than I was this year. And if I had more time in my window of breeding, we probably could have gotten her bred, but I started late because I needed to be, I needed to make sure I didn't have kids before I went away. Right. And then I got scared that with nationals, I didn't want to have babies that were too young for the demands of whoever was home watching them to have to feed kids three times a day or whatever. So this was the first year I put in place a hard stop on when we were done kidding and everybody who didn't take basically they did like that was it where in the years past I'd be like oh okay let me breed you and so ultimately with my hard stop I had the day I said this is the last one we're breeding it's getting too hard you know too far 
And the next day I had a dough and heat. <laughs> I probably could have bred her, but I just decided, nope, you know, you breed one and then you go, well, this one was three days ago and it spirals. Right. So yeah. I had six freshen and I have to say, I really like milking six does though. Okay. Yeah. Instead of 13. Yeah. So out of those six, uh, how many kids did you end up with? So we had 15 born, but we had thir- we had 14 live kids. So one was a stillborn, and then we ultimately ended up putting down one who was born with birthing defects. So there was 15 physical kids, but we raised out 13. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of breaking it down because it's always interesting on whether or not we had a buck year or a doe year. Um, we had nine does born, seven does that we raised or raised or are raising, and six bucks. So even if you don't count the two um, that passed, um, we had a slight doe year, but if you include them, we had a nine to six ratio. So, um, not bad no, here. That's not bad at all. No. So, so what about you? Uh, we bred six, uh, five freshened. So, you know, that AI just didn't take, um, right. So yeah, we're milking five. Well, technically four now, cause I sold one. Uh, so how many kids hit the ground? Uh, we had 10 kids hit the ground and we had eight does and two bucks. So nice. I guess it was so a slight, that's a big, oh yeah, it's a slight doe year, you know, so it's, you know, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal minor minor dough year you know well next year will be the buck year so that's how that works right right but also this year versus next year for the buck year next year being a buck year will be better for you because you have all your kids that you can take to nationals and show and next year we'll just you can show those kids as dry yearlings or milking yearlings and have one or two. Oh yeah. You know, doe kids. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, we had, so we kept, we retained too many of these doe kids. We retained five so far. I mean, I'm sure oh, that'll, wow. you know, dwindle down as I get harder on them. Uh, but for right now, yeah, we're, we're sitting at five and two of them are, experimentals one by choice and one not by choice so that's fun um yeah so what what went like super well for you this year i have to say (laughs) for the births i attended and the births i were a part of we had a really nice kidding season i had three of the five does that kitted out under my watch not including the first one that went when i was mid-air or mid-flight but three of them went without any assistance whatsoever i just came in and picked up the kids and um 
took care of them. And then one of the other does, my first freshener, she ended up having her single kid, and I fully expected her to have a single, in about 15-20 minutes. And that worked out really well as well because I was watching her and kind of keeping an eye on her. And I had dinner plans and I was supposed to go out and meet my family for dinner. And I was doing chores. She was on the stand eating her grain (laughs) and she ate it. She went back in the pen and I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I can go to dinner. Dinner was local. I could watch on the camera, but I figured if she ate her grain, I had time for dinner. Well, that didn't happen, but she goes back in the pen, starts laying down, decides she's going to push. So I tell everybody I can't come. I got the dough kidding. Caused a little bit of a thing because, you know, here I was not necessarily thinking she was going to kid. And so I didn't tell them that I may have a dough kidding. And then all of a sudden it goes from, I'll be there in 15 minutes to, I'm not coming at all because I have a dough giving birth. And (laughs) just kind of this like, zero to 60 in two seconds flip of a situation. So, you know, knew she only really had a single. She starts pushing. The baby presents itself. We get him out quick. Buck kid, healthy, good. She's done. He's ready to go. He drinks his bottle, milk her out, put him in a pen and get to dinner. So I was like, 25 minutes, 30 minutes late, did a quick outfit change in the (laughs) car, switched my shoes in the middle of the street, Um, went from my barn boots to a nice pair of espadrilles. I'm sure, thankfully, it was quiet. Nobody was driving around, but they would have wondered what the heck is going on. (laughs) Um, But so, you know, had this wonderful quick birth and still, you know, while I was late, I still managed to get where I needed and didn't cause too much of a fuss. So, and that was kind of the general way it happened. We had nice, easy births. So I can't complain about that. What about for you looking back? What went really well? Uh, Well, we had pretty fairly quiet kidding season, right? So um, everybody presented well and you know we had some issues but we'll get into that but on the most part i mean it was a fairly smooth kidding season i mean i can't really complain about it if if i could have every year like this year i'd I'd be more than happy so right yeah um so i guess i'll go i'll start with uh what went poorly and and for me um i guess if you want to call it poorly uh we had some dystocia um, for the first time in a while, um, but nothing that wasn't correctable, right? We didn't have to have the vet out, so I'm thankful for that. Right. Um, and we induce, and I think that um, there's some changes I need to make with that, but I'll also get into that. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, if I want to say dystocia that was correctable was uh, bad. That was my bad, which I'm very thankful for. How about you? I think looking back, what went poorly 
is we had a doe who just had a hard to treat infection um and that was the doe that was who kitted initially who had the um one dead kid at least or the one dead kid with the other three kids and so she just didn't respond well to our typical antibiotic that we were giving and well I shouldn't even say that so because everybody had gone in we always give antibiotics as kind of the preventative precautionary if we go in and assist and so I really like ampicillin for that sometimes a lot of times I use penicillin or ampicillin but I've had a few incidences with penicillin of um accidentally nicking a doe with um and hitting I guess of vein or an artery uh, and causing them to kind of seize from the penicillin. So, and I mean, now I have epinephrine on hand and, yeah. you know, I'm very cautious about it, but it kind of penicillin freaks me out. And I know it really shouldn't, but penicillin freaks me out. And ampicillin is just that little bit. I haven't had an issue, you know, knock on wood with ampicillin. And so I don't have that kind of like, oh my God, I have to give this like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, like that freak out when I do it. So, and I know there's similar drugs and some masks, but whatever, we're moving on. It's it's all in my head. I know that. <laughs> um, but so I like to give ampicillin as long as they don't get really sick. And if they get really sick, I switch to LA200 IV. And I hate giving it to them IV, but I know it usually does the trick. So this doe was on day four or five of her ampicillin and her temp spiked. And so obviously at that time, the ampicillin wasn't doing its job. So figured we'd switch to LIA 200 IV. And that seemed to kind of get it at first initially we were giving it the first day her temperature went down and I it was like a 105 fever like it was not it was not good she was eating and milking like crazy but she was losing condition she just looked like a hot mess yeah and so we switched to LA 200 the first day it kind of seemed to take the edge off lowered her temperature second day it was kind of that and then it was either the third or fourth day where that temp just went up again and it wasn't as high this time, but I wasn't happy with it. And so talked to my vet, we switched her actually back to ampicillin and another drug, another antibiotic, which I had never used before, but it works really well with the ampicillin and I'm totally blanking on the name, unfortunately, but we did a long course of antibiotics for her with the combination of anti uh, ampicillin and this other drug. And it's probably the longest I've ever had to give an antibiotic on a doe. And we're still, I mean, we fought this infection for a while and you're still, She's lost a little, she lost a lot of condition for it. So we're really fighting back to kind of regain the condition and all of those things with it. So 
maybe I just have to suck it up and do LA 200 IV right from the get-go. This might have been a fluke situation anyway, but um, that was probably the situation that went the poorest over here. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you do, uh, or how about this? I'm trying to figure out my wording. What was something that you did this year that you will be doing again because it worked so well? So typically I would put my does in a kidding pen uh, outside stall and birth out their babies in that stall. And because of the fact that my lovely yearling decided to break her leg and needed to be separate, and then we got the buck kid flown in, I didn't have a specific kidding pen. And now I could have probably, I definitely have panels, I could have configured a pen, but I also recognize that I am farther from the farm this year than I have been in the past. And so figured I'm going to kind of use as much assistance as possible in case I miss the birth and basically figured there's a whole herd of goats in this pen. Maybe if I can't get there in time, one of these goats, their maternal instinct or at least their curiosity will kick in. And help take care of these babies, help clean them off before I can get there in case their mom totally spazzes. And that worked really, really well for us this year. Granted, I think we got lucky in that. But um, there was one time where I looked on the camera and I was checking this dough every hour for three days because she was killing me. But checking her every hour for three days and... Went to sleep for an hour, woke up. There was three kids on the ground. She had kitted them out, unassisted, went over, grabbed the kids. And when I was there, she was still laying on, you know, laying on the ground. But one of my older does had decided she was the nursemaid. And so she was, she's dry this year. She's retired. She kind of, when I got there, she looked at me, was like, oh, good, you're here. I took care of these kids for you. And now you can take them. Is she Jewish? But she was like, apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no, man, it, it took so long. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, your kids are, your kids are done. I took care of them for you. Now they're your, yours. Um, that is why I do not have a career in uh, voice acting. But... Uh, <laughs> But it just really helped to have a bunch of Nubians that were just willing to kind of help take care of the situation for me, for better or for worse. The gang gang had your back. Exactly. So I do like that. And I think we probably will be continuing it as well. Um, It's a little bit different management-wise and making sure the pen is a little cleaner than what we would normally want it you know or let it go to but it also allow it prevents us having issues when we're transitioning the dough back into the pen as well which is something I always worry about because I have it's gotten better but my doughs for a while that pecking order was pretty 
tight. And so any changes in the hierarchy, there was always a doe eager to take advantage of that situation and try and move up a, you know, a rank or two. And so I was having to put does back in the pen after they were separated pretty much within 24 hours anyway to make sure we weren't, you know, picking on a doe who had just kitted out animal or kitted out and was still sore and all of those things and wouldn't have others trying to, you know, knock her down a few pegs in that, you know, hierarchy. So having them kid in the pen actually wasn't too bad. And that transitional aspect was definitely eased as well. So for this year, I think it went well. Next year, we may talk and I'm going to say, nope, everybody's we're going back to this other system, but it worked really well for this year. So we're going to try it again. What about you? That's good. Um, Mm -hmm. So we actually started kidding in the breezeway of our barn Uh, we have like a little tiny breezeway area so we just gated off the front of it and that was that because you know the previous years it's like you know we keep our barn clean but like if you have a doe kidding in a stall she's rooting it up and it's getting disgusting and i don't want kids hitting the ground on that so we uh we did the breezeway worked really well camera right on them. Um, so we're going to do that. Uh, inducing wise, uh, we're still loving inducing. Um, you know, it's a great thing for us. Um, I will say I have to, uh, remind myself not to be lazy and try to give them their shots when they're just freestanding in the barn, eating their grain or whatever I have for them to keep them busy. Cause Mary Mac uh, got, I don't know how much of the dosage, but it wasn't enough. And she uh, definitely labored on um, and was later than I would have liked, uh, which when I say later, I'm talking like eight to 10 hours later than what I wanted. But um, oh, I'm so sorry. I know. It's just that's horrible. Thank you. I was. Oh, it, my God. It broke me and, and it was just the worst. And but I'm OK now. Oh, good. You, so, you, you just needed Mary Mac to win. And now oh. now that she's looking pretty, you can ignore all of her quirks and the fact that you had to wait a full eight hours Listen, before there was babies on the ground. Well, well, you're talking from going for and it was probably actually it was probably more than that. It was probably closer to 12 or so. Oh, sorry. Nine. No, well, it was like instead of like a 1 p.m. kidding, it was like a 12 a.m., 1 a.m. kidding. So, so there, blah. Uh, okay. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, everything went well, kidding season wise, besides that whole conundrum. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it was, it was a good kidding season. Like I, I can't complain. And, um, yeah. Um, now did you do anything different? Did I already ask this? No, okay, no, you're good. good. I'm like, mm. uh, did you do anything different um, that you won't be doing again? So the only thing that I'm not happy about is I feed first cut hay as soon as I dry my does off and they get first cut until 
they start to freshen. It helps me you go through first cut quickly because typically only my bucks and the babies sometimes get first cut, but my bucks are pretty much on first cut all year round. But I also have first cut from the field because the field that feeds all the goat herd, the second and third cut for when they're in milk also produces a first cut hay. I mean, imagine that, you know, it's crazy. (laughs) But I have a field that we get the second and third cut, which is enough to supply our herd through the full, their full lactation, which is typically around like 280 to 305 days for what we normally do. So obviously there is a decent pile of first cut hay and I do have bucks, but I don't have that many bucks and the babies do eat the first cut typically as well. But again, they're not going through a significant amount of this hay. And so it really does help my herd to feed first cut when they're dry. And it typically keeps them on a nice weight. They're not putting too much energy into their babies. So we're getting nice size kids. They do enjoy the first cut, it seems, in the winter with it's just more, you know, grassiness than an alfalfa. And so there are advantages to it. But in doing this model of feeding the first cut hay, it's usually close to only a two-month period that they're getting fed first cut. And so it works really well. The other, like, caveat to this dilemma thing I kind of have to work on is that I don't feed my dry or typically I don't feed my dry yearlings grain and I don't feed my dry does grain so if you aren't in milk you don't come out of the pen you're not getting grain the hay should be good enough quality to sustain you and keep you going I don't expect my dry yearlings to be fat animals. Um, kind of, um, Sorry. Are you call? Are you saying I don't, you're saying I have fat goats? No, no, no. I, I was picking on my fat dry yearling, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought you were like, um, here's a mirror and hold no, it up. No, 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 no. You're, no, oh, okay. you're milking goes. Oh, no, but no. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> listen no my yearlings I like them to kind of just go with the flow it works for my program um and it is what it is however this year I think I was feeding because we freshen so much later than we normally do I think I was probably feeding that first cut hay I think I started it a little earlier because we were like while they were still milking, but we started a little earlier with the first cut and then I fed it at least another month out. So they had at least a three month period where they were on first cut instead of only two months and then switching back to a second or a third cut hay. And it is killing me. I see the difference in these does I in throughout my whole herd And I'm feeding my yearlings are getting grain this year. Um, 
I just need them to be have a be a, have a little bit more of a bloom. My milkers prob are not where I want them to be um weight wise and I think some of that's probably also genetics too and how much they're putting into their milk this year, particularly two of them. But I also think when I look at my dry does, I can also see the difference. And so I think my working theory is that while my first cut hay is great, it's not necessarily good enough to sustain my herd for um, longer than like a two-month period in the winter. And everybody else who gets the first cut gets grain, so it works for them and it keeps them going and looking nice. But dry, in my gen pop area, I can't do probably more than two months of first cut. And so just something I have to kind of work with as I plan for fall and winter and spring and kidding season 2023. Right. So, yeah. So that's what I'm going to have to figure out and whether I'm going to be supplementing with maybe an alfalfa pellet or something later in their gestations to just really balance them out or give alfalfa pellets to the whole herd or if I switch hays again. I mean, it'll really just depend on how the hay season goes as well and what I have in the barn and if I have to be cautious or anything like that. So that's that's the biggest thing. And we were trying to be cautious because there were two hay wagons of hay that we were scared that the goats weren't going to eat. And so we kind of, you know, fed as much first cut as we could because my third cut, I think it was a third cut. I'm not sure if it was a third or a second, but basically it didn't make it into the barn. It was in hay wagons stored and we were scared, but then we figured we would try it and they're liking it and they're eating it thankfully. So that's good. But just kind of watching the hay and where we go, I think is going to make a difference for mm-hmm. 2023. For sure. Well, yeah. What about yourself? Um, we did that glucose mineral this year. Um, and I mean, I didn't have any issues, but I might give it another year just to see. I guess if you have no issues and it's working right. But <laughs> right. If it's if it's not broke, don't fix so, it. I, if you have to jump up and down three times at before each kidding to have a successful kidding, you got to do that and you got to record it and post it on our TikToks. <laughs> but that's besides the point. Oh, the TikToks. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, maybe I'll do it next year. Um, I'm I'm really happy with my dry yearlings this year. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, this is the first year you've really had a lot of dry yearlings, right? Yeah, I mean, well, it's not the first year, but I'm, it's the first year where I had a good quality, like from genetics that I've been using dry yearlings, um, where okay. before I was like, okay, I'm going to freshen these um, yearlings and see what they do. Uh, so I'm, I'm torn. I think I'm going to... Uh, keep a couple more dry yearlings than I usually do. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna lie; showing dry yearlings is kind of fun too. So, <laughs> welcome to the better side of 
the yearling debate. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's just, last weekend was fun showing them, even the one that didn't win, I still loved showing her. So, I, yeah, I, I'm probably going to end up keeping more dry, and Tyrion will be happy to hear this than um, initially anticipated. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not really going to change much. If, if it's not broke, don't fix it, just like you said. So that's uh, that's the kidding season wrap up. We both survived is the end of it. And I hope that you, the listener, also survived and um, didn't have too many catastrophes. And um, if if you did, I'm sorry. And um, have a drink on me. <laughs> right. We should have popped bottles of champagne <laughs> to start this. Oh, my gosh. Well, TikTok. TikTok. Fail. <laughs> we can make a TikTok before this airs. <laughs> <laughs> Although you're not going to the show this weekend because you're judging. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, well, we're, it's like, listen, as a judge, yeah. it's basically written in any con we I swear we sign a as up at the judging training conference. We will work on Memorial Day weekend and we will judge. Either that or we're showing goats. And last year I showed goats and this year I'm judging. So Yeah, that's all right, you know. It's, it's not. Cool. I listen. I am disappointed. I mean, I'm excited to judge, but I am disappointed. I'm missing out on this show. I love the show you're going to. It's great people. It's a great facility, and yeah, I think you'll have a good time. So, and the weather is going to be better than it was last year. So, or or even last weekend. Time. You know, it's not going to be well, a million degrees, and it's not going to be yeah. thirty-five degrees like it was last year. What a miserable show that was last year. Holy cow. Oh my god. Yeah, that was bad. Yep. That was bad. I mean, listen, Tyranny did it right. She pulled your you guys took two cars and Tyranny pulled the car in. Alice was snug as a bug. The car was going every so often. She was comfy. I think Alice had probably had the best show of everybody, but um. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even take my goats out of the trailer. It was so cold. It was warmer in the trailer than it was out. No, that was ours too. So, that was ours too. Um, yeah. So a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, Danielle, where where can people find us on the old socials? On the socials, we are on Facebook at if you search Ringside and American Dairy Goat Podcast, we will pop up. Be sure to give us a like or a follow there. Then, if you are on Instagram, we are Ringside underscore Goat underscore Podcast. We are on TikTok as well and Twitter. So if you're on those platforms, um, I don't even, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I don't know. Do Ring- you follow on TikTok? <laughs> yeah, it's a ringside podcast on TikTok um, and the same for Twitter, I believe. Uh, yeah, we make some, fu- I, well, I should say I make some fun TikToks. Um, uh, <laughs> the slight dig is Danielle is not doing her homework yet <laughs> and sending John the videos he needs to release the next two TikToks. I don't, I I don't know what you're talking coming. about. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Listen, all, I apologize. I am the one holding up all of the TikTok videos at this moment. There are two videos that probably will take me all of five seconds to record each. But until John gets those, he can't release at least the next two planned TikToks. And so... That is what that little uh, listen comment was about. I, I don't know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> I don't know either. Um, yeah, and so <laughs> moving on from me being mean. Uh, <laughs> it's good. Listen, this is this will you know it's fine. I'll get you it's the videos. Fine. Um, it's yeah. You can go to dairygoatpodcast dot com uh, forward slash merch. You can find our merch on there. Uh, place your orders for nationals again. We'll we'll bump that, uh, and you can pick them up at our booth, um, or you can just listen to our podcast on there or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast from. Uh, we would appreciate it if you guys would take the time to leave a review on whatever platform you're using um, and you know rate us. That'd be it's really helpful. It's great for the algorithm. Um, and we'd love just to know what we're doing well and what we could do better. Um, yeah. And am I missing anything else there, Daniel? No, I think that's it. We look forward to seeing everyone out and about at the shows that we're going to throughout the show season, especially at nationals and Okay, and then everyone, be sure to tune in next week for our episode where we touch on showmanship. Yeah, we're going to be touching on showmanship with a uh, special guest, so go ahead and tune into that one. Um, I know it's a good one for all of the kids to listen to. Um, you know, those fairs are coming up, and yeah, any of information you can get to help you with your showmanship is uh, awesome. So tune into that next week, but for now... We're just going to say see you later. This has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John. And I'm Danielle. And we'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.